You are listening to Committed, an ongoing conversation about marriage, intimacy, relationships, and sex. So we're going to talk about sex, right? Yes. Let's talk about sex. Sex. Sex, sex, sex. I could say sex here. Sex. It's very, very hard to be on a podcast and also be a TikToker because you have to do the go-between of saying sex and spelling it S-E-G-G-S. Honestly, I like stray away from doing videos on sex because I'm just like, forget it. Because if I get silent, just like forget it. Why is that? Why is sex such a controversial subject in social media? I do think that there there are some um, reasonable considerations when you're thinking social media. And I think about kids. I think about like my nieces and nephew. They're adults now, basically, most of them. Um, And like thinking about my kids, do I want things just popping up for them that are talking about something that maybe shouldn't be at the forefront of their mind at their age. I do err on more of a conservative side on that, even though that is my specialty and it is something that's very important to me. I think that something that's important about this is one of the reasons sex is very important to me, and I was just telling my clients about this yesterday, is because I have childhood trauma in my background and sex is a piece of the attachment for me. Like I was actually thinking about it last night as I was having sex. Like my husband's on top of me and I've got my arms around him and I'm like, there's something deeper in me that's getting really fulfilled right now. And it honestly felt a little fucked up to be thinking about that, but it truly – so. That being said, for people who haven't experienced the trauma slash whatever trauma, because there's memories that have not come back for me, but whatever trauma it is that I've experienced, I think that it can cause some of us to go a certain way, if that makes sense, with what sex means to us, rather than just being this wonderful, pleasurable way to have connection with another person and make babies when applicable. There's something elevated for me around it. But it's it's taboo and it needs to be talked about because it's one of the most important aspects of people's relationships and one of the one of the top reasons why people have conflict and divorce each other. Sex, money, children. Aren't those the top three? That's the big one. But yeah, no, it's absolutely it's a great subject that we don't like to talk about very much. But mm-hmm. it affects all of us. It's really an important part of being a human. So I'm glad that we can talk about it here without having to worry about being canceled off our, or silenced off the TikToker. We were talking, we had actually a really good conversation last night. And then there was the clanging and the banging in the kitchen. And so we couldn't, we couldn't post the episode or really continue on with the episode. So we canceled it. And yeah, I, I think there were a lot of parts and pieces. So I, I think what might be nice to start with is just some tools to have in the toolbox for sex. Sex 101. get into, yeah, like a sort of, maybe. And I'd love for our listeners to share, you know, what what we missed so that we can come back and do another episode on it. So just know if you're listening that 
there will be parts and pieces missing and we can absolutely come back and talk more about those. But but anyways, let's talk about let's talk about sex, sex 101. So, I mean, first and foremost, consent. So, something that actually I think is not talked about enough is that if you have a partner or a spouse, you still need their consent to have sex with them. Even if they're your husband or your wife, uh, don't make the assumption that you can just have sex with them whenever you want. Um, And I think that it's not such an abstract idea to people, but I do think that when people are in a long-term relationship or married, they do make the assumption that they have access to their partner's body, even if it's not every particular moment, but they have access to their partner's body. And I think asking for that when necessary and and having a dialogue with your partner about how do you want me to initiate sex? And that's a big topic too that we could kind of go off on a tangent. But like how do how to initiate sex with your partner? How do they want to be initiated, right? Like I like to be asked directly would you like to have sex with me? That doesn't feel so sexy to a lot of partners. But to me, um, I don't always need that. But I do like to have a conversation about like what our plan is. And then we could get into sexy talk. I could be texting during the day. Are we planning to have sex tonight? What do we want to do so that we can make sure that we're both available at the right time? Nobody's falling asleep before the other one because we're kind of planning on that. Um, So that's part of the conversation. But some people like to be initiated in a different way. Some people like when their partner starts making out with them. Some people like when, you know, their partner comes up to them and gives them a long hug or makes a sexy joke or something like that. Like people like that all initiation happening all different ways. And it's totally individual to the person. Google Calendar invites. Those are cool. I know you love Google. It's one of my love languages, Google Calendar invites. I mean, it's not that that's not a bad idea. I have Google Calendar invites for my relationship meeting, so why not have it a Google Calendar invite for a sex meeting? And I think that's actually honestly, I think that a lot of people need that because a lot of people are really busy and it's really hard to fit things in. And so to be able to look at your calendar and say because it's very traditional like, "Oh, we'll have sex when we get in bed." That's not the way that it works for a lot of people. And a lot of people are so tired when they get in bed that they don't want to be having sex at that time. So for some people, morning works better. For some people, if you're both working from home, middle of the day could work better. Those are all options, right? You might say only on the weekend because we just don't have energy during the week. That's okay if that's what people want too. Um, So there's the consent piece. There's the initiation piece. And then I think for practical tools and tips – there's the piece about, you know, the actual sex. And the very first thing that comes to my mind is lube, normalize lube. Lube, finding a great lube is so important. I have a lot of people say to me, oh, not necessary because my partner is so wet. And that's great. That doesn't mean you don't need to use lube though. And we were talking about anal last night the anus does not lubricate itself ever. Even if your partner's really turned on, the anus does not lubricate itself. That's right. (laughs) So you have to use lube. You could tear your butthole or your partner's butthole if you don't use lube. So if you're doing fingers, toys, especially a penis, which is a lot of times bigger than fingers and toys, definitely have to use lots of lube for that. So finding something that works for you, works for your body, 
I'm really um, big on like coconut oil. And there's also a lube called Coconut that I've heard of. I can't personally use coconut oil for myself because it makes me itchy. But I've heard that a lot of people really like it. I think that you've used it, Michael, and you like that, right? Yeah, I personally love coconut oil. It's kind of my go-to. And you can buy it in like little squirtable bottles just for sex purposes. And you can because you can eat it if you want to, too. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. And I I mean, I think that's great. And it's the most natural lube that you can use, essentially. And Wait, what did you say before? So with condoms, it does change. Like, I don't know if you could probably use coconut oil with condoms, right? We should look that up. Yeah, because that's a question um, that that's important. There are certain lubes that you cannot use, like oil-based lubes, you typically cannot use with condoms because they can break down the condom. Coconut oil cannot be used with latex condoms because it can break down the condom. Good call. Yeah. So water-based with condoms. Um, And so- just to make sure that you're utilizing the condom properly and that it can protect you in the multiple different ways that it protects you. So, but yeah, lube, don't be afraid of lube. It doesn't make you inadequate. Women's level of arousal is not directly correlated always to their wetness level as well. Women can be very turned on and not be wet and vice versa can be very wet and not very turned on. It Correct. really depends where your hormones are, what type of time of the month it is, um, where you're at, you know, when you're ovulating. A lot of times there can be a, more wetness because you're going through the process of, you know, releasing egg. There's a whole process, you know, your discharge can be like egg white like and it becomes more yeah, you're making gross selfies. <laughs> we don't need to go through the whole thing. But at different times of the month, the wetness level increases, decreases. And so don't be afraid to use lube. I love Uber Lube. Emily from Sex with Emily always recommends Uber Lube. She loves that. And I also love Uber Lube. I did get, I think it's called Good Clean Love from the grocery store not too long ago because I just needed lube and we were at the grocery store. So I said, let's just grab this one and try it. And we were both in agreement. So I will utilize that sometimes. But Lube is good. Um, doesn't make you defective. How about um, I wanted to bring up uh, boundaries and desires. And, you know, I'm not in a long term committed marriage right now. So it's more important for someone like me, I think. But I think it's also applicable to married people because, mm-hmm. shockingly, a lot of people might not even have this discussion. But, like, when I'm with a new partner, for example, I always say, What do you like? What are you a no to? And that sort of gives me both their desires and their boundaries. And then I feel like um, I'm like a kid in like a like a sand pit or whatever. Like I've got a playground and I know where I can play and everything within this place is like fair play. And I know what she wants. I know what's off limits. And then, of course, we can always say that this could change at any time. But that gives me a lot of personal freedom to have that discussion. And I think it probably puts her at ease as well because she knows that I'm going to be playing within her boundaries rather than just guessing, which is kind of what I did when I was in my 20s. Yeah. And I think that's that's very good that you brought that up because lots of people guess and they kind of rate themselves like how good of a lover they are based on the experiences that they've had. But the reality is that no matter what experiences you've had, every partner is going to be different. 
And even in long-term committed relationships, we shouldn't assume that our partner likes one thing. I just talked to someone yesterday who said, well, you know, I liked foreplay to happen in this one way. And then the next day I changed my mind and I wanted something different. And that can be very confusing to partners because they're like, wait, I was, I'm doing it the right way. I'm doing it the way that you told me. And a lot of times, especially for women, what I experience in myself and what I hear is like, day to day, our bodies are changing in the way that we feel pleasure. And so we might like, you know, we might like to be rubbed on our clit a certain way one day and then two days later, don't even touch my clit, just go on the outside, like right on the edges only because it's so sensitive another day. So it's that's very important to ask, yeah, what are your boundaries? Like what are you a hard no to? Because you don't want to just kind of slip it in the butt because you're like, well, this this looks good right whoops. now. And whoops, we're in the middle of it if that's <laughs> sort of a hard boundary for your partner. Exactly. Um, and, and and also, especially, boundaries are very important. And then also, especially asking, what do they like? Like, what is it that you really love? Because that's what I want to do, and that's what I want to keep doing. And so if we know that our partner really feels pleasure with this position or this type of foreplay or this type of kissing, you know, it's really helpful to know that. And a lot of times – especially when people are very uncomfortable talking about sex, you start having sex and you do sex one way for a really long time. And that partner kind of just quote unquote suffers. Like I'm not getting exactly what I want, but I've never said that I wanted something different before. And so I'll just keep going this way with it. Because when you're in the middle of sex, you don't want to say, I don't really like what you're doing right now. Like sometimes I could feel really uncomfortable when you're in the middle of it. So that kind of brings me to another piece of this, which is talk about sex outside of the bedroom. Mm. It's very hard to do that for people. It's very hard to talk while you're having sex. It's very hard to talk outside of the bedroom about sex. Um, but start to work yourself up to doing that. You know, maybe just asking, the, maybe texting about it to start. And just talking about, mm, this is, I would love to change this. Next time we're planning to have sex tonight, it, could we try this instead? And then um, there are actually card games that you can get that I have a bunch of them that are centered around talking about sex. And that can be helpful to prompt you. You could even take one or two to dinner or sit on the couch one night and just answer those questions and kind of work your way up to having more kind of uh, – ability and comfortability around talking about it. But it is important, so important to talk about sex with your partner because that's the other thing. If, you know, one partner has what you think is just a low sex drive or a libido or desire, and I think we talked about the difference between those things on our other episode, um, you may attribute that to they don't like the way that I have sex with them or they just don't really care that much about sex is what I hear a lot. Like they just don't prioritize sex as much as I do. And so they don't want to have as much sex with me. And so I'm the higher sex drive partner. But the reality is that when you talk to them about it and actually get into it, it's not that they don't want to have a higher sex drive or level of desire. It's that there are barriers to them doing that because of your current way that you're doing sex, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. It's the, um, what was that book? Come as you are. Right. 
Yeah. When they talk about right. the sexual, the sexual accelerators yeah. and the decelerators. Yeah. So in many cases, you could be pressing the brakes and the gas at the same time and uh, your body will just shut down. So, um, I mean, that's a great book on that particular subject and you might inadvertently be pressing the brakes on your partner's sex drive. So it's a great discussion to have. And that book is by Emily Nagoski is the author and it's not super appealing to heterosexual men because it's a pink book, I think. And so they think, oh, well, this is a girly book. This is for girls. But really, it's telling you about women. And I think that, so don't be afraid. If you're listening to this, don't be afraid to pick that book up, take it out from the library. You don't even have to buy it. And just peruse it because it's it's very helpful to know, like, what are some of those ways that I can accelerate my partner's arousal in a moment when we're having sex or what are some of the ways that I might be decelerating? You know, like mm -hmm. if, if for example, my husband is argumentative with me during the day, that's a huge decelerator for me. I don't feel as connected to him. I don't feel as open with him. And so if we're planning to have sex, maybe hold off on some of those conversations or work on having those conversations in a different way would be a couple tips to you know, decrease the likelihood that I'm going to experience a decelerator. Yes. Um, another book I'd also recommend is She Comes First, which I think is a fantastic book for, for men to read as well by Ian Kerner. But yes, She Comes First, I'd also recommend, this is also a good segue because I wanted to touch on oral sex, but She Comes First is a great book. As a male, I would say it's a heterosexual male, this is a great book in, in the event that um, you thought that you know oral sex was just an appetizer for for coitus, but also as a male who's forty two years old, even in good shape, you know, being a male and thrusting it gets tiring too. It's it's a workout, and so I think as you get older, and if your testosterone drops and you don't exercise or you just have it's just going to happen and eventually. But personally, I want to have a high sex drive and a healthy sex life for the rest of my life. And I'm proactively moving in that direction. But even with that being said, as a male, my tongue and my finger, I think, are way better at stimulating a woman than my penis has ever been. And this book kind of normalizes how powerful that can be in a sexual relationship, where instead of, I think, of core play, the book refers to oral sex, uh, specifically cunnilingus, as core play. And that's, it's really just a change in mindset, but I highly recommend that. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because even when I'm being penetrated, when I'm having an orgasm, it's because I'm rubbing my clit, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's, you know, and, and even for women who say, oh, well, I can have an orgasm from penetration, are you on top and your clit is rubbing against his pelvic bone? Because a lot of times, because the clit is not just the outer nub that we can visually see, it has legs behind it and lots of different nerve endings inside of it. And so there are certainly women who can have uh, orgasms from penetrative sex, but the reality is that most likely the penis inside of them is hitting on those, the, the clitoris from inside the body. And what we call the G-spot, the G-spot is actually part of the clitoris. So yeah, but um, foreplay is core play. I've heard that before. We've talked about that before. Really, really important. You know, it's, I think that 
some of the time, especially for women, like getting warmed up is extremely essential and taking the proper time to get warmed up. And it's all, it always wows people when I share that it takes 20 to 40 minutes to get properly aroused as a woman. That feels like a long time, but yeah, going down on her for at least some of it is really helpful a lot of the time. We're really asking her how she likes to be stimulated. She can also be involved in stimulating herself. It doesn't have to be all of, it doesn't have to be the man the entire time or the partner, whoever the partner is, because we're not just speaking to heterosexual couples, but whoever the partner is, um, it could be a collaborative effort. In my sex life, my orgasm is my responsibility. And I always tell people that your own orgasm is your responsibility. It's not the responsibility of your partner to make you come. You have to know your body. And I always recommend masturbate because not just because, you know, you're not having enough sex, so make sure that you masturbate in order to get yourself off, but masturbate so that you can explore your body and actually understand what it feels like to be in your body. That's the only way you're going to be able to communicate with a partner and tell them what you want. If you don't know what you need and what you like, then how are you supposed to tell them? You're sort of leaving them in the dark. And then a lot of times you're creating this feeling of, being ostracized for them because they have no idea where to go or what to do. And that's like, oh, well, you're just not a good lover. Well, no, that's not the case. You didn't, you didn't communicate with them and you didn't know yourself enough to communicate. So for, for all genders, masturbate, understand your body, understand what you want and what you like. And there's also the piece of about core desires. And that could be a whole nother episode as well. And maybe we'll do that. I'd like to speak to this as a, as a heterosexual male because sometimes the, uh, the there's like a meme growing up that getting a woman to orgasm is like fucking impossible or it's a rare thing to happen. Like it's just like guys are going to come no matter what, which is pretty much true. And girls might come. And as you get older, as I got more um, into my 20s and 30s, like I felt like I was failing if I couldn't bring a woman to orgasm through coitus. Um, but I, I like that you brought up the point that, you know, your orgasm is your responsibility. You have to communicate with me how to get there. And I also think it's good to de-shamify the idea that a woman can get herself off while a man is inside her, or it can be a team effort. It's not like the other person is responsible 100% for your pleasure. Like, let's do this together and let's have fun along the way. Like that, I think, is the mindset that changed a lot for me. Um, that might be relevant to other male listeners out there. Absolutely. It's, it really is. It's, it's a team effort. You can, you can communicate with your partner. You can direct them. You can change you know, what they're doing and where they're going by sharing with them specifically what you want and what you need. And I think, too, it's important to recognize because you said something about usually the male is having an orgasm and coming, and there are times when that is not happening and that is okay. I think as a male, you have to ask yourself, you know, what's going to work for me right now, right? Like if I, if I really want to come right now and I'm having a hard time doing that during intercourse, which for some males it, it is, and for actually a lot of males, it really is hard to do that. And there's so much pressure. Like I can very much resonate with this as a woman because orgasms, while over the years I have learned my own tools and skills that I need in order to get myself there and have taught my partner how to help me get there, 
it can be very challenging if I'm in my head. And I, I know from my clients held that that's the case with some of them. And so ask yourself, what do I need in order to have an orgasm? Is it that I masturbate alongside my partner after we have penetrative sex? Is that is it that they touch me a certain way? Is it that they leave me alone and go out of the room after we have penetrative sex? Penetrative sex doesn't even have to be part of the picture, right? You could do other stuff. For some people, it's not possible to have penetrative sex, and so they're doing other stuff instead. Um, for some men, it's hard to get a boner. It's hard to keep a boner. Like There are so many other aspects of having a sexual interaction that don't include penetration. But if you're having penetration and you're having a hard time having an orgasm or you're having a hard time ejaculating or getting hard or staying hard, you know, definitely reach out if it's something that is a problem for you. But to be honest, only reach out if it's something that's a problem for you because we really need to ask ourselves, is this actually a problem for me or is this a problem that society has for me? You know, it really comes back to that for a lot of it. Um, someone in our somatica training, she always said, I love a soft dick. She would say that so frequently. And I I loved that she was saying that because it was deshabifying. Um, this is, this is really real for a lot of people. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, another question I wanted to bring up about fellatio, uh, for the male perspective and the female perspective on the subject. I don't think there are many men out there who do not like receiving blowjobs, but, uh, you know, from what is the female perspective? Cause like on cunnilingus, I, I love going down on women. It's just like my happy place. I don't know, but that was a mindset shift that happened for me over the last few years, maybe 10 years ago or something like that. What is the female, what's your perspective on, on fellatio? I love oral sex in general. And I think as a person, as a human, I want to please my partner. That's part of it because if my partner, if we both have the uh, intention of pleasing each other, then that's great. And we can do whatever is necessary um, up to our boundary level. So obviously there are some people who have a boundary around giving blowjobs for a certain reason. I have certain boundaries within the context of giving blowjobs, but I love to do it and I have a partner that also wants to have oral sex with me too. So it's like um, – I guess what comes to mind when I think about this, and I don't know if I'm directly answering your question or not, is this – the what i've experienced is that men enjoy when you switch it up so for women a lot of times when you start doing one thing like your tongue is going up and down let's say we want you to keep going with that same motion don't stop stay there. don't change stay, yeah don't fuck right, it up stay just keep course. going right. right because that's what's going to bring us yeah our arousal is going to increase that's a very good tip i'm glad that you brought that up thank you yeah and then when it comes to blowjobs, change it up, you know, but, but some men also may prefer, so let's say this, some men may prefer that you stay the course and keep doing the same thing. And I think at the very, very end, if you're moving to, if you're not having penetrative sex, a lot of times blowjobs will come as like first course and then you move on to penetrative sex. So you don't want to come yet. But if you're, you know, if you are going to come, um, then potentially 
staying the course once you get to the point of no return. But while you are giving head, giving a blowjob, changing it up, doing different things. So the head of a penis is very sensitive. Yes, it is. Thinking about that, modifying what you're doing as needed. Maybe you are backing off a little bit on that because it's so sensitive, or maybe you are paying more attention to it because it's more sensitive. It all depends on what the person wants. Using your hands to play with their balls, using their your hands to touch their anus if they like that. Using your hand grabbing their shaft, sometimes they like that. There's all different things. It's very dependent on what the guy wants and what he likes. Exactly. So, But the head of the penis is basically the analog to the clitoris, like the tip of the clitoris, the clitoral hood, I guess. But that's where, that is our male analog. So like that's most of our nerve endings. That's most of our sensitivity. But yeah, you can work the shaft, play with the balls. I mean, lick the balls, whatever your partner likes, just like get in there. Some guys don't like that though. Some guys do not want you to touch their balls. It's too sensitive. It feels too crazy. It takes away from the experience. It shifts their um, perspective and focus. I was saying don't chase orgasms. That's something I learned a few years ago in the Tantra world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess to just finish up, I I definitely very much agree with that. And I love that goal. And I don't know if it's – this is just kind of a working conversation part of this because, yes, don't chase orgasms. Like, just focus on the pleasure that you're having. And orgasms feel really good. So I have like a personal conflict with this because like I don't know if I would care that much about sex if I wasn't going to have an orgasm personally, especially with where I'm at in my life. Um, I don't know if there would be a huge draw for me. So it's like this topic and issue comes up so much. Like people want to have orgasms. Obviously, some men come to see me originally because they're struggling with having an orgasm or struggling with keeping their boner or getting a boner. So it's like it is, you know, it is important enough that definitely do some research explore your body, figure out what you need, go see a professional to try to help you if it's something that's really plaguing you. But there is this like combination of like society telling us that that should be the end goal because that's essentially for reproduction. That is the end goal for men at least. And then there's the part about like they just also feel really good. And so we've been really warmed up to that idea. And so it's kind of hard to like separate that from sex. But what we do know is that, yeah, men typically orgasm and that women a lot of times don't orgasm during sex, at least not every single time. And I very rarely these days accept that as my reality. I mean, maybe once or twice a year. I'm like, no, I'm coming. Like, what's the point in me having sex here if I'm not, right? So it's like- (laughs) But I've been really working on it. So for our people who are who are sitting there like, oh my gosh, I've never had an orgasm during sex or like I have such a hard time or whatever, like I've spent years working on this now. I obviously got schooling and training to do what I do. And when we when we really can focus in on it and hone in on it, reading 20, 30 books now, going to school, it's like you really start to learn and explore your body and explore with partners and have different conversations. And so you get to kind of a different level when you do that. 